Welcome to the DMX Podcast Show. I'm Steve Mathis. Thank you for listening. And uh, once again, I got a classic one for you guys. Love to talk to Rollerball anytime I can. Ross Rollerball Peterson and this Direct Motocross Podcast. And uh, what a great guy. What a great legend. And uh, always uh, like to get in touch with him and find out what's going on in his life. And what's going on. Um, what are his thoughts in, uh, on different situations and things like that. I feel like... Uh, a lot of these old motocrosser guys just don't get enough credit, whether it's uh, the U.S. guys, the American guys, the European guys. Uh, they, they sort of uh, fade away into nothingness, and uh, it's my job to try to make sure that they don't do that. So uh, I like to keep in touch with uh, the guys that I can here and there, and not just the big guys like Jeff Ward or, or Ron Lachine or whatever, but even you know smaller guys, and I uh, feel like they deserve to, uh, to tell their story. So without further ado, uh, the directmotocross.com podcast with Ross Rollerball Peterson. Welcome to the directmotocross.com podcast show. I'm your host, Steve Mathis. Uh, with me on the line is uh, one of the best Canada's ever had, and in my eyes, the best motocrosser that Canada has ever produced. Uh, here to reminisce about some old times, talk about what he's doing now, and uh, many other things, and that would be none other than uh, Ross Rollerball Peterson. Rollerball, what's up, man? Well, thank you very much, Steve, for the for the, uh, the 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 great introduction that's uh, it's been a long time heck it's been uh, 20 years since i was on a motorcycle and uh to, to receive an introduction like that uh, is pretty awesome thank you yeah no problem man i'll i'll uh, i'll have your back always when it comes to that um hey for people who uh who don't really know what's happening with you uh give us a little update on on what's going on in uh Ross Patterson's life these days well, sure. Uh, I about six months ago I started working with uh, in the oil patch here in Canada with uh, Calfrac Well Services. Uh, I'm on the coil tubing side and uh, been working with them uh, in Western Canada. So it's uh, been going well. They're a big company, uh, number two in in the world and uh, in uh, well servicing. And uh, Calfrac's been treating me well uh, with uh, just. Just about like being back on a motocross team, you know. You got your team of guys, and you got all got your job when we get on site. So it's uh, it's interesting, and it's a, a big learning curve for me. Yeah, you enjoy it. Pretty is cool. It, uh, yeah, is, you enjoy it. It's uh, it's it's cool. I guess you get to travel a little bit here and there. Yeah, it's a Steve. It's a lot like motocross. You know, we're uh, we're away 15 days. We we go on. Uh, 
15 days on, six days off. So it's uh, kind of like uh, being back on uh, the motocross circuit, you know, being away from home lots, uh, living out of hotels and, uh, you know, uh, in a different location uh, every hitch that we go on. So uh, the, the the big challenge is it's all new to me. You know, uh, motocross was a big part of my life and uh, it was uh, became secondhand after a while. It was, uh, you know, mm-hmm. if you're involved with it for 20 years you because you get uh, pretty knowledgeable at it so jumping into the oil patch which is a big part of uh, Alberta that was all new to me so it's a big challenge learning lots and having a lot of fun and uh, great guys to work with any uh, any of the guys know who you are know who you what you did any of them care no, it's funny. It's, uh, it's funny. A, a few of the guys uh, used to watch me race when they when they were young too, and uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it's it's kind of cool. So uh, I get uh, a little favoritism uh, with uh, certain superintendents that I'm working <laughs> with because they were race fans back in the day, and uh, yeah, it, uh, I still get a big kick out of it. Uh, how they you know talk about uh, how, how they saw me at uh, the Calgary Supercross or mm-hmm. the Toronto. Supercross, uh, working with lots of guys from down east. So oh, yeah. it, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool uh, to be, uh, you know, to to run into these fans uh, in a whole different venue for me. And uh, <laughs> yeah, interesting to to have these wow. guys. They're telling me what to do, and they're ten years younger than I am. Right. So yeah, it's pretty uh, it's pretty neat. Hey, hopefully none of your bosses are Hoover fans or Valancourt fans, because that would suck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, heck. Uh, as long as they're race fans, that's all that matters. And uh, and there is, you know, with the sport uh, being televised a lot more uh-huh. and, and getting the coverage that we are getting now with the sport, uh, it's becoming known a lot, uh, mm-hmm. a, a lot more in different fields, you know, not just with motorcycle enthusiasts, but, uh, you know, in the patch, uh, oil patch, oil and gas industry, uh, a lot of guys follow that. Uh, you know, they're tough mm-hmm. and rugged guys, and uh, they, they, you know, they they can appreciate uh, how tough motocross is. So, a lot of a lot of with the coverage that we're getting on TV now, uh, almost every weekend, uh, it, it's great, and it's becoming a lot more uh, knowledgeable to the average person in in the in the public. It's cool. I. Uh... If I were you, I'd just show up to work with all 42 of your championship plaques. Just all 42 of them. Maybe maybe as a, as a belt you know, or a necklace or something. <laughs> funny, funny thing, Steve. It doesn't mean anything. I still got to carry all the iron uh, when we're rigging in and... Uh, and uh, I'm on the bottom uh, bottom of the totem pole. I don't bark the orders out anymore. I follow uh, them. So I now know what my mechanics used to go through <laughs> when I say, what do you mean you don't know how to do that? Yeah, yeah really, <laughs> I'm, right. uh, you know, working with some of my soups that uh, – they're uh, 10, 15 years younger than I am and uh, used to watch me, as they say, when, when they were kids, and now they're barking the orders out to me. So, uh, <laughs> no, nah, it wouldn't matter how many number one plates I showed up with. I'm still the, I'm still the, the grunt out there on, on site. Yeah, really, huh? <laughs> hey, how much do you, uh, yeah. do you follow um, How much do you follow the U.S. stuff, Supercrosses and stuff? Are you watching when you can? Are you... Are you watching every weekend? Are you sort of casually checking it over? 
Well, when I get a chance, uh, I have uh, been watching just about every weekend. Uh, I missed the Toronto round. Uh, we were out on location, and I was on uh, night shift, so I never did get to see that. But uh, I've heard about it through the grapevine uh, already with some of the guys uh, that I've been in touch with that uh, were down at the race. And, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it was a heck of a series up until the boys started getting hurt. And then Villapoto, mm-hmm. he's... He's uh, he's well. He's now clinched the title. Uh, I'm aware of, and uh, yeah. but uh, I think Reed and Dungey were really uh, making him, uh, keeping him honest out there, and it was great to see. Uh, I'm sure uh, I'm sure uh, Villapoto doesn't uh, mind though not having a challenge anymore, and uh, and already got the title locked up. Uh, I know how that felt. <laughs> it's it's yeah. always a big relief, but. Uh, yeah, I was uh, looking forward to it going the full series till the end uh, to to see who was going to win it. But unfortunately, uh, you know, the mishaps happened uh, to each and every guy out there, it seems like. And uh, the, his tough competition dropped off. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's setting a pace that's uh, ferocious. And uh, uh, the rest of them just, uh, you know, had a hard time keeping up with them and a uh, little bad luck. That's all it takes is one mistake. And <laughs> yeah, I, and uh, uh, the series is over uh, for Reed and uh, Dungey and uh, Stewart's. Uh, he, he's been himself, you know, he's uh, yeah. hit and miss, you know, he's, he's in there if he's on two wheels, but uh, nowadays that seems like that's a rare occasion. So <laughs> yeah, I know you're right. But, uh, yeah. Reed is uh, Reed was really looking good. He was strong and he was get building his confidence with each mm-hmm. and every round in the beginning. Uh, I really uh, thought he would uh, challenge uh, Villapoto and and Dungey. You know, he was Mr. Yeah. Consistency. He was there all the time, and uh, you know, if one of the other guys faltered, so yeah, it was a great series. And then throw Stewart into the mix, and hey, you, you had a you had a tough. Uh, tough competition in that series it was pretty incredible uh, the first first part of the year anyway until yeah. Villapoto ran away with it yeah pretty much uh, I, was, yeah. I was at uh, Villapoto's house last week and uh, he's doing outdoors already he's riding outdoor motos he was doing like 25 plus two laps on this sand track uh, just slowly getting into it although there was nothing slow about it you know he was uh, he was on he was on it so um he yeah he's looking good I'm, I'm, I'm sure, like you say, there's nothing slow about it. Uh, that guy is incredible. He he looks good everywhere he goes, and mm-hmm. he's definitely in top shape. He gets better and faster as the race goes on, or or had in the supercrosses that I saw him. Yeah, and and uh, I'm sure he'll be uh, working hard, and uh, his conditioning isn't a factor when it comes to the outdoors. And he's mm-hmm. certainly got the machinery behind him and uh, and the team. So yeah, he's going to be a tough guy uh, to contend with outdoors too. You uh, you moved back to Medicine Hat, back to the uh, where you're from originally. How's that? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty cool to uh, come back home and uh, see some of the. Some of the guys uh, that I grew up with and and chumming around with, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's changed a lot. You know, I, it's been 20 years since I've been back home, so uh, uh, the old riding uh, track that I had, <laughs> it's gone along the riverbanks. Uh, mm-hmm. They've uh, moved it and uh, got a supercross style track, so uh, I haven't been out there that much because, uh, as you know, uh, supercross wasn't <laughs> wasn't my most fun. Uh, time riding uh 
still get out and uh, do the schools that I've been uh, working with last year and uh, intend on doing some more this year. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, you know, that things have changed uh, in, in motocross. It has become more supercross-orientated, you know. Yeah. Uh, the days of the, you know, the of the outdoor motocross, I think, are are really, you know, starting to dwindle. I mean, uh, the supercrosses are getting all the, t- you know, television coverage and uh mm-hmm. and that's where the fans want to see they like to see the airtime and uh as some of us old guys uh, call it <laughs> the circus time uh <laughs> but uh yeah it uh, it's uh, definitely exciting and uh the way the guys are riding now the jumps that they're doing and uh what they're doing with the bikes in the air is it, it it shocks me as to to see some of these kids the way they are riding on uh, yeah. you know in the airtime they're getting it's it, it it's hard to believe yeah. really is it's uh, it's changed quite a bit um yeah well it's good good to always go back to your roots too a little bit they don't have any statues for you in medicine hat uh, there's nothing uh, nothing uh... Nothing erected. No <laughs> statues here. <laughs> no, there's no statues. As I say, even uh, the track that yeah. Medicine Hat had, uh, which was, I thought, <clears throat> one of the best motocross tracks anywhere in North America. It was all along the riverbanks mm-hmm. and coolies, so it was incredible outdoor terrain, uphills, downhills, huge, rough, natural terrain uh, with, uh, you know, a lot of different uh, challenges uh, with terrain as a motocross track should be. And, uh, you know, they they lost that uh, to the environmentalists. you know, they put some pressure on because uh, some of the riverbank coolies were sliding into the river, so they figured oh, yeah, it was yeah. from the motorcycles. And uh, is that where you used to? Uh, uh, is that where you used to ride? Is that where you would pound out motos at this riverbed that, track? That, that's that's where I did all my training. at was out there and uh, along the riverbanks and the motocross tracks, and I think that's probably why I did well on the outdoors uh, mm-hmm. more so than the. Supercrosses. That's where I was sort of born and bred on, and mm-hmm. uh, that was my uh, my training facility, which was incredible, and maybe one of the reasons why I had such a longevity in the career in my career. Uh, you know, being around as long as I was, uh, the track and the train was tough, rough, and. Uh, it uh, it made a it made great riders and there's a lot of great riders that came out of the hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, a while ago um, you were doing motocross schools. Are you still doing them? And how's they're going? And uh, talk about doing that a little bit. How, how's that been? Well, uh, last year I did uh, seven uh, week long schools. Uh, had great turnouts. Uh, really went went well. Uh, working with the guys in Calgary and Medicine Hat. Uh, and from surrounding areas, uh, it was pretty cool. It was great to be back involved, and it was good to be working with these guys for you know longer than a day or two. School to right. to work with the with the kids or the guys for for a week. Uh, we we got to cover a lot of ground, and uh, it uh, was really beneficial because you really could see the development uh, with the guys and. Uh, you know, lap times are proof in the pudding. Uh, you know, we would get them warmed up on the track on the first day and give them some track time, and then we'd do some lap times, and and then we would, uh, at the end of the week, we would send them back out there, and, you know, after we'd work with them for a week and send them back out and show them their lap times at the end of the week, and they all improved some 
some were incredible, uh, oh, yeah? as much as five and six seconds a lap, and, and these are intermediate riders. Uh, right. It was incredible to to see the difference just uh, with a little help. So it was a it was a lot of fun and and great to see the smile on their faces, you know, and when when they would see the results that they ob- obtained uh, over the week and. Uh, yeah, this year is going to be a little tougher, Steve. Uh, I'm working quite a bit, so I, I do get a little time off mm-hmm. uh, and planned on going down east, uh, down to the uh, Sarnia, London area, just uh, west of Toronto there uh, in Ontario, and, and do some schools uh see if we can put something together down there and and of course uh, do a couple schools throughout the summer in calgary and medicine hat uh, details to follow really uh how can people find out more about that or um do you have um i guess an email address or should people contact the calgary track or yeah they can they can contact me at my email address which is uh, ross peterson one at me.com 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 yeah, Emmy is in me. Yep, oh, and okay. uh, dot com, and uh, and uh, also just by my phone number that uh, that we're working with right now, the nine five two ninety three hundred, and that's of course area code four zero three. Okay. Um, hey, what do you yeah. what do you see when you watch a? What's some of the? I mean, and you're teaching intermediates, so you're teaching pretty good riders. But what are some of the things that? you see from a lot of guys making mistakes like what's a common mistake what's something that you base your teachings on or what what talk about uh you know how somebody can improve real easy and what you see common mistakes out there well the, the biggest improvement of course i worked with uh, you know from the beginner level to the pro level riders and the biggest uh, improvement i see and the most common mistake that I worked with was uh, guys sitting too much, uh, getting them to stand up more and, uh, you know, the, the basics, the cornering races are won and lost in the corners. Everybody, uh-huh. you know, twist the throttle and tear down the straightaway the same, but it's the braking going into the corner, uh, getting through the corner itself. And then of course, exiting and, uh, those components of the turns, uh, you know, and of course, correct body positioning when you're going through them was really the biggest improvements that I saw with the guys is is just getting their their positioning on the motorcycle uh, right and uh, getting them in and out of the turns quick, you know, uh, braking later, going mm-hmm. in and getting on the gas faster, coming out and uh, and you know that all is a you know symphony of uh actions uh as you're entering and exiting the corner uh you know and uh, mm-hmm. you know standing up uh really those are the the biggest changes that i made and and some of the guys uh, and an intermediate rider that i worked with last year uh as i say had a lap times different from when we started till we finished at the end of the week of uh, five to six seconds, which was incredible. As you know, a second or two a lap is huge. And mm-hmm. this guy was a, a strong intermediate. And uh, he was, at the end of the week, was, was uh, you know, running pro lap times and, and, and strong uh, just by some adjustments with his riding position and riding positioning and uh and his uh mechanics going into the corner and out of the corner standing up uh 
made a huge difference, and he felt a lot more comfortable on the bike, didn't feel as tight, he said. Uh, so those were some things that, uh, in general, every rider has to work on uh, right from the, the beginner level right to the pro. And mm-hmm. if you can get on them and get the get the guys in their, you know, the, their younger years or in the beginning of their career when they're learning how to ride as beginners uh, or novices, uh, you know, if you can correct their riding style in the beginning, it's so much easier than working with a, a pro or an intermediate that's been riding, you know, five or six years right. that, you know, has developed some bad habits. And they're tough to uh, to break because they feel more comfortable even, you know, in the, even at the speeds they're riding, if their mechanics uh, in their riding uh, stances aren't right, they still feel uh, more comfortable doing it that way. So when you have them change, it's a little harder. To, uh, ha- bat, those bad habits are hard to break. So it, it's uh, it's it's a challenge to work with them, but uh, it's great to see them smile at the end to to, to know that they're doing uh, riding faster lap times and in more control, which is what they like. Yeah, it's funny, you know, uh, a lot of your success as a racer was because of your hard work, and, and not a lot of people would say that you're one of the more talented guys out there over the years. You worked super hard and you were, you know, super determined. So it's interesting for me to hear you talk about rider positioning and body positioning, but that, you, you know, obviously the few things that the old, the old war, war horse picked up over the years, huh? <laughs> it, it really was Steve, you know, my longevity, uh, in, in the career, you know, spent, uh, 14 seasons pro. Mm-hmm. It, uh, was, uh, Really, you know, and I wasn't the most talented guy out there. I, I think maybe I was one of the hardest working guys. There were some tough competitors over the years, some, some great riders that I rode against. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that uh, just the hard work and uh, my mechanics, I was a stand-up guy, old-school motocross, you know, and uh, rode tough, challenging, demanding outdoor tracks. And uh, you learn the control uh after a while and uh you know people say i was in great shape and that was my forte was being stronger at the end of the race and you know if we rode uh four motos that day i think uh it really came down to my you know riding correct uh, i saved a lot of energy standing up and had a good body positioning which which led me uh to develop uh, a better training uh you know attitude and and format that that kept me going a lot longer and uh really it it comes down to you know the mechanics of riding and if you're you you have proper stance and control and 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 you're doing everything right it's a lot easier to Uh ride fast for a long time so i would uh i would pity the the poor student who sits you down and say hey ross what can i do for training what can I do for training? <laughs> You're like, well, first, let me tell you, you run 10 miles in this morning. <laughs> exactly. It's like what Bob Hanna told me. He said, put one leg in front of the other for 30 minutes out there on the road and uh, <laughs> and run, you know. Yeah. A guy should be able to – any of these pro guys should be running minimum – five miles in in uh and they should be doing six minute miles 30 minutes I, i'd really like to see you know a challenge out there to see these guys 
I'd like to see him go out and, uh, you know, actually do some cardiovascular and see. Uh, they look so incredible to me, what, mm-hmm. what they're doing now in the Supercross series and how strong they all are. It would be a, it'd be a good challenge for, for those guys to, to go out and do that and, and see where they all stand. And, and really that, uh, you know, there's, it's pretty basic one foot in front of the other for 30 minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and to do that at that pace, a six minute mile, uh, it'd be interesting to see how many of the guys, you know, the top 100 guys in, in uh, North America, how, how long, how fast they'd actually do that, uh, yeah. if they could do that five-mile run. I uh, I just did a podcast with Dave Gowan, one of your old mechanics, and uh, I said, hey, take me through uh, a typical day training with rollerball. And, you know, he, he said he, he would take you to the steps. There's a, There's some steps or something in Calgary or in Medicine Hat. I don't know, some... In Medicine Hat, okay. there's a yeah. there's a large hill that's got stairs going up. It to, yeah. takes you thirty seconds to sprint to the top of them, and uh, yeah. He said you would do the stairs. Uh, you would do the stairs, and then you would go. Um, I think after that you'd go for a run. Then you'd go do four four forties four four forty minute motos. Then you would uh, grab something to eat. He would work on the bikes, and you'd go water skiing. Uh, and he, you would never. You would never let Dave water ski. He always had to drive the boat, and then you, uh, that would be the end. That'd be the end of the day. <laughs> that day was so awesome. We had so much fun. Uh, yeah. You know, when I look back at the, at the career that we we had together and the championships we won and 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 all the you know challenges we overcame, we had a lot of fun and couldn't think of a. A better guy to be running that Rockstar Suzuki motocross team. Uh, yeah. He deserves it. He is the best, and uh, he he has gained so much knowledge uh, from that fellow that I met. That uh, when he was when we were both pros uh, here in Canada and racing together, and uh, and everything that uh, he's attained. Uh, he's worked real hard at it, and, and uh, as right. far as a motocross enthusiast, there's uh, Dave Gullen is at the top of my list uh, for that. He's he's an incredible guy. Yeah, it's kind of cool because Gowan was uh, your one mechanic. Then Marshall Plum was your other one, and he's he's been at the races every weekend forever, working for Dunlop as well as he has his own successful shop in Oklahoma. So. Both of your couple, a couple of your fellow mechanics, anyways, have really made a mark in the industry. It's kind of cool to see. It's great to see. I see Marshall uh, every weekend uh, when I'm watching. Uh, when I when I get to see the racers, when I'm fortunate enough to see the Supercross racers, I see Marshall with his Dunlop outfit on. And uh, you know yeah. what? There's a guy that he knows so much about. Not only tire selection and, and uh, you know, whatnot, but mechanics and how suspension works. And he's an incredible guy. He We won a lot of championships together. Guy Cooper won some national championships with, with Marshall. And there's a guy that knows the mechanics of motorcycles. He mm-hmm. really does. He can look at a guy's bike and, you know, going through a rocker section and he can make a couple changes and make that bike so smooth mm-hmm. just uh, by turning the, the screwdriver on it. Uh, he, he's he got an incredible eye for suspension, and uh, as far as tuning goes, uh, 
Marshall was definitely uh, one of the best, if not the best, uh, mechanic that I had. He he was an incredible guy. All, all my mechanics were, did an incredible job and uh, were a big part of uh, you know my championships because without them, I would have never won the championship. They kept the motorcycles together, and mm. uh, I was tough on the motorcycles. <laughs> uh, they were all great mechanics. You uh, a while ago you were getting back into riding. Uh, when's the last time you rode, and, and you have any plans to get to get a bike and get out there again, or uh, talk about that a little bit? Well, the last time I rode was at my schools uh, over the summer. Uh, getting back into it, uh, you know, as I say in Calgary and Medicine Hat, uh, I, I did seven week long schools. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, I don't ride as much as I used to, uh, of course, uh, <laughs> getting a little too old for that, but uh, I don't know if the bones would handle 440s anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, get, just uh, getting out there with, uh, with the kids and the guys, uh, you know, with the schools and uh, getting some exercise and, uh, boy... I sure was in good shape when I used to be able to do those 440s because I don't think I could do four 10-minute motors now, but uh, a lot of fun. I'm I'm having fun again on the motorcycle, and it just takes a little time off, uh, you know, about uh, when you've rode as much as I have. uh, When you've been off for 20 years, it feels good to get back on the motorcycle, even if you can't ride the same speed. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, So, yeah, you don't think you could do 40 minutes in total now? (laughs) <laughs> Never mind four of them. Uh, maybe if I broke it up into five-minute races and I, I, I did eight of them, I could get a 40-minute motor in. But, uh, no, actually, I don't feel too bad out there. It's yeah. That's not true. I, I do uh, get out there, and uh, I try and stay on the track for, for 30 minutes. But, uh, Steve, it's not not the speed that uh, I'd want anybody to watch or no, time. Stop because stop <laughs> my it. lap times are a little off. Uh, I'm not a Kevin Windham who can can go out there and here, there's a guy that amazes me. Uh, you know, he's still out there. He's the he's a statesman of the group and uh, and uh, still looking unbelievable out there. Uh, you know, I'm always pulling for him a little bit yeah. when uh, when when he's out there on the line and uh, whatever heat race he's in in the main. Uh, you're looking good, and he keeps us old guys feeling good, too. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I worked for Tim Ferry for five years as his mechanic, right? And, uh, you know, he, reti- right. he retired a couple years ago. And I don't think – last time I talked to you, I don't think I found this, but I found a race online. Uh, Carl Sampson, you, you may remember Carl Sampson. He, he – uh, I do. He's a yeah. Quebec promoter, friend right. of mine, yes. Yeah, Carl. And I know Carl, too, a little bit. Carl ended up – renting Timmy's house uh, in Florida for a little bit. And I found this race online in Quebec, a mini state where you and Tim Ferry were on the line at the same time. It was my dream race. It was like 92. <laughs> uh, he was in 125s. You were uh, near the end of your career. It's, it's awesome. It's a great race. And Carl, Carl's dad put it on. Yeah, I, I still remember Tim. Him being up for the, uh, that race, it was it was a it was a Supercross race in Quebec City, yeah. and uh, Tim was uh, he was just uh, coming into his prime, and I was kind of on my way out, and uh, he was uh, he was an incredible rider back then, fearless, and uh, and uh, we battled it out a little. I think in the two fifties, one twenty fives. I think he smoked me in that race, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, a great track, uh, well run, uh, promoted Supercross race by Carl, and 
it was uh, interesting uh, just to have the guys up. There was actually quite a few Americans yeah, up. It was uh, a good race and Rich, a good show. Rich Taylor was there. Ray Soma was there. Jones was there. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of Americans were up. Um, hey, uh, there was. Yeah. It was uh, it was some good racing, and uh, we were all uh, real close then, so it was a real flip of the coin to see who was going to win the race because none of us could run away with it. So it was, uh, it was an interesting show. Yeah. Um, hey, I was um, uh, talking to Damon Bradshaw about doing – I did a, race, a Racer X column when he came up to Toronto when he was a kid, uh, 1988. And uh, right. I was talking to him about it, and he didn't know too much about it, but he said that uh, – he goes, that Ross Pedersen guy, he was pissed. I beat him, and he was not happy. What do you remember about uh, 1988 Toronto Supercross? Uh, Bradshaw was 16, and I think he won, and you might have got second. He was uh, riding for Yamaha then, and uh, I got kind of sandwiched both nights by uh, by the guys. Uh, I finished second both nights, and you know what that's like. That's kind of like kissing your sister, you know, a second that uh, yeah, it was it was a tough weekend. Uh, Bradshaw, well, I beat him one night, but he beat me the other, and uh, I ended up finishing second both nights. Uh, I was on a Suzuki, of course, and. Uh, and uh, he was on a Yamaha, so uh, Yamaha won, uh, had won both nights. Uh, it was a double header up there, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, second uh, was the Suzuki's on the podium. So that was right. the best weekend. But uh, it was uh, some good memories. And uh, speaking of Damon, uh, pretty cool to see him uh, on these monster trucks. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. it's pretty neat to see him out there. I'm uh, always pulling for him, uh, <laughs> hoping that he'll he'll one day beat these uh, beat the grave digger. You know, it's pretty cool to see. <laughs> yeah, I, I he's uh, ripping her up. Last time I spoke to him, he's the same Damon. He was super pissed that he lost a monster truck race. Like just really mad. He can't even handle losing a monster truck race, you know. So, um, hey, I was uh, I was going through some old results. Uh, Racer X has a um, a comprehensive outdoor national results. Um, so I was going through them. And I punched in a bunch of people's names I know. Punched in your name, and I was surprised. Uh, I didn't really think about this, but you did very well on a YZ four ninety in the AMA nationals. You got a couple podiums and a lot of fifths and sixes. Um, I guess. Talk about that, and and that's a shitty bike too. The YZ four ninety. Let's face it, eighty six, eighty seven. You rode them, and uh, not very good bikes. But do you remember having success on them and, and uh, down south? Yeah, a lot of the the races that that I rode uh, that year, eighty six and eighty seven. Of course, I was riding for Yamaha Motor Canada. Yeah, it seemed. I got to ride uh, in the open class a little bit more because of our series. Uh, mm-hmm. They were weren't as conflicting with the open class, so I got some uh, decent results in at some of the rounds. Binghamton, uh, I think uh, that was on the 500s, the 490, as you call it, yeah. and, uh, and uh, I think uh, podium finish uh, on the 250s in Hangtown. We had some good years back then, 86, 87. Uh, Marshall Plum was uh, yeah. been in the ranches for me, and uh, we did uh, we did well for for the races that we could attend. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, uh, I wish they could have rode a lot more. Uh, I don't know why the the Canadian guys nowadays aren't uh, 
down there more, like Fasciati and Klatt, uh, and and some of their challengers, uh, you know, should be in the states riding. Uh, you know, it might not be as much fun as it is winning up here in Canada, but it's going to in turn make them better riders. So yeah, that's a, it's it a def- me as to why they're not down there. It's a definite pet peeve of mine. I'm not sure. You know, obviously when guys rode for Blackfoot, they they weren't allowed to race down south. But Blackfoot's gone. Fasciati's on KTM. Klatt's on KTM. Tyler Medaglia, who generally is not scared to race in the U.S., is on a privateer Honda. I don't know what these guys are doing. Like, wouldn't you want to race in the U.S.? And, yeah, you're going to get beat, and it's not going to look good, but it will make you a better rider, right? I mean, this is for sure. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely it would. And and the more they can get down there, you know, and, and mix it up with the, the Americans, the better they're going to become. And you can't just show up once in a while. I know that is how it was with me. The, the longer I rode down in the States – you know, elbow to elbow with the guys, the more competitive I became with Mm -hmm. them. Uh, Whereas, you know, I'd go back home and spend two, three months back here in Canada and go back down. I always, all of a sudden, whoa, these guys are, you know, really (laughs) seem to be going fast here, you know, at this round, wherever it was at, whether it's Mount Morris or Hangtown or wherever it was. It was like, you know, if if I hadn't been racing week after week, you know, through the Florida Winter Series and then continued on, uh, you know, I could, you know, get in there and mix it up with them. But uh, Uh if I was away back in Canada, you know, for a couple months, and then I came back down for the odd race or so, I found it very difficult because, you know, you you do get accustomed to that uh, pace uh, when you're with them. And, uh, you know, the starts of states uh, determine a lot, you know. I mean, for me, when I – I don't think I rode any better when I had good race results at states – or at some of those races that that I did well at, it was really just getting a decent start. Uh, and back when I rode, uh, it was tough. You know, a lot of times I was up against, uh, you know, the work bike. Uh, it, it was a challenge. But uh, if you did get a good start, mm-hmm. you know, you could find yourself battling with them. But you know, in the, in the stage, it doesn't matter whether you know you're some of the guys running in 20th spot are going as fast as the guys in fifth spot or, yeah, yeah. you know, in, yeah. in fourth spot. All great riders, the top are all, they're all champions. They're all great riders. And uh, it really depends on the start. I mm-hmm. mean, other than, you know, a few guys like maybe Dungey, Reed, Villapoto, you know, that can maybe yeah. start back in 10th and move their way up or Stewart. You know, the, those four guys seem to be able to do it, whereas the, the rest of them, it really depends on, you know, their start. If they're, you know, starting in 20th or in 5th, it makes a big difference in their end results. And uh, it's just so competitive down there. And I know with me riding, you know, down there, starts meant everything because, man, it didn't matter whether you were in 20th or you were in 5th. The guys were going fast and they they all went fast for the whole race. So right, right. that's what the Canadians have got to do. Fasciati, Klatt, Medaglia, they got to get out in the States. They got to mix it up with the guys down there. That's the only way they're going to get better. Look at Wilson. Mm-hmm. He's down there. He's now winning. I mean, he didn't just show up and start winning. He had, it took him a couple of years of, yeah. you know, 
you know, elbow to elbow with them, but it will bring the best out of you. We, uh, especially the guys that don't have, uh, you know, Canadian commitments. Like, as you say, Medaglia, he's got, uh, he can be down there on his private Honda and, you know, mm-hmm. riding that U.S. circuit. And that's what he should be doing. Yeah. I, I don't know what the other guys have got for commitments up here. I imagine the Canadian series, but, you know, any other race, you should be down there. And that's uh, yeah. how they're going to improve. Well, there is a kid. I don't know if you know, if you've even heard of him. He's riding the 250 East Series. He's from Sarnia. He doesn't race Canadian Nationals at all. His name's Cole Thompson. And he's full privateer. He was top 10 in the series until he got hurt and he had to miss a race. But uh, I admire Cole. He's doing it. He's trying. And he's trying it the hard way. And he's having some success. And the way I, he looks at it. He can always go back to Canada if this U.S. thing fails. You know what I mean? And he'll be a top five guy, if not better. Uh, yeah. You know, so that's absolutely. That's I didn't know that, but I certainly know the name Cole Thompson. Right. Great rider. He's from Sarnia. That's uh, coincidentally uh, where my mechanic Marshall Plum yeah. was from. Was from Sarnia, Ontario. So I know exactly where uh, where he's from, and uh, that's great. Uh, you know, and. and Thompson, the longer he stays down there in the States, the stronger he's going to get. And uh, it, 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 you'll just yell after a while with him. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, coming back to Canada and winning easy doesn't make you a better rider. It makes you a more complacent rider. Right. Um, hey, who's your who's your greatest Canadian rival? Who was the – I mean, I was trying to think of it the other day. Like, there's Valancourt, Carl, Al, Hoover, almost three different generations of guys. But – is there one guy that gave you the most trouble? Your number one rival? Well, you know, put me on the spot. I think you ask me this every time we talk, Steve. Is <laughs> <laughs> there were some great? I had great rivals throughout my my racing career. As I say, I was fourteen seasons and uh, three or four generations of riders. So, you know. Mm-hmm. I would still have to go. I was the strongest in '86 and '87. I had my best results in in the yeah. in the states, and that's when I was running top three in the states. and And my toughest competitor then would have been uh, Doug Hoover. He yeah. he was uh, he was definitely uh, when I was in my prime, my best years of my motocross career. He was the toughest Canadian right, right. at the time, and. Uh, was a incredible rider, but there's you know Zolly Berini, Carl Valencourt, Alan Dick, uh, uh, Pierre Couture, uh, but uh, there were some good riders back then. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, Terry Hoffa, uh, Roddy Hodgson, uh, you know, yeah, who else? Some incredible riders that that we uh, battled against and. Uh, and it was just a different time uh, and uh, in my career that uh, I met up with any one of those riders. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, from the early days of the Tom Gates and Zoli Barini uh, battling with them, uh, that was when I first came pro uh, up until the end. Which... Yeah, certainly a lot of a long list of guys um, that you've uh, you've raced against, and it really, if you think about how long your career was, it's. It's amazing. There's a lot of guys in there like I didn't even think about. But um, well, hey, thanks for uh, thanks for doing this rollerball. How, how's uh, how's personal life? Everything everything good? Everything happy in that in that deal? 
Everything is going really good, Steve. Good uh, to hear. Good to hear. Uh, my uh, personal life is back on track. Uh, I had some challenges uh, over the past 10 years, and uh, I've overcame uh, them, and uh, things are going really well. Uh, back working uh, is something that I've, you know, since motocross really haven't done, and uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's a challenge for me to be back in the real world and uh, doing well, happy, and uh, moving ahead with life, you know. And uh, great to be back uh, teaching the schools and uh, and being around the motocrossers. Yeah, Pretty it's awesome. incredible. It's awesome to see you at the track again. I think everybody can account for that. And I know I spoke to some of the people at the Calgary track, and they're excited for you to be around and, and, and says you're, say you're doing well with the kids and, uh, and you're really working out that way. So maybe, hopefully – you can balance the job and do some more schools because you, you can't get too far away from moto rollerball. That's that's where you belong. No, that that was my whole life, so I don't plan on getting too far away with it, from it. Uh, being back with it uh, is awesome, and I'm going to continue doing my schools. And uh, like you say, it's just a delicate balance when you've actually got to go to a job, which, like I say, and you know, since motocross when I was racing, mm-hmm. I never ever had to work. So it's uh, it's a new challenge, and uh, good to keep. Uh, Things mixed up a little bit. Work with some pleasure, and the pleasure is motocross, yeah. and it's great to be around the guys and the fans again and uh, being back involved with the kids. Yeah. It's incredible. Oh, it's awesome. It's great to hear, hear it in your voice, and uh, and thank you for doing this, man. And, and I'm sure your fans are going to be pumped that uh, you know, you're know you catching back up, and uh, hopefully everybody enjoys our, our conversation here. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, keep in touch, and uh, good luck with everything. And uh, I'm still uh, – I'm still spreading the legend down here in the U.S. Don't worry. I'm I'm, I'm fan club number one, zero zero one member. So <laughs> right on. My pleasure, Steve. It's great to talk with you as always. Uh, I think you're one of my biggest fans, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's awesome because I'm I'm one of your biggest fans now. It's funny how things turn around. <laughs> eh? Uh, you used to watch me. Now I read and watch about you steve so it's oh, <laughs> pretty yeah. cool no, and uh, great to see the guys at the races it, it's awesome to see uh some of the guys uh involved now that i raced with i seeing wardy with his team you know and yeah. uh yeah. and the guys uh involved that way uh it, it's great and it, it's taken on a whole new shape uh motocross and supercross with uh with yeah. the guys getting back involved that gave so much to the sport if you uh if you ever want to come down here to a race uh uh you know my treat i'll bring you down let me know get some time off come down to a national hang out for the day meet some guys and uh no problem let me know hey that that sounds good stevie uh maybe i'll take you up on that there yeah. uh when i get one of these uh six day off hitches if they coincide with the weekend there i'll you go. uh there you go. maybe take you up on that uh i'm kind of i'm kind of liking right around your home state of vegas there uh that's it would always be fun to be hanging out down there with yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. Maybe try to do the Monster Energy Cup or something in October, or whatever. But uh, yeah, no, no problems. Cool. All right, Ross. Well, hey, thanks you very much. Cool. Thanks very much for doing it, and uh, um, thank you again for doing the DirectMotorCross dot com podcast. And I'll see you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Steve, and uh, thanks for thinking of me. And uh, and I truly mean that when I say uh, I'm a big fan of yours. I love reading your articles, seeing you, and uh, 
and uh, and hearing from you is incredible. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, man. All right, man. You've done a lot for me. Thank you. See ya. Thank you.